everybody. Happy New Year. I'm really excited to get to share on New Year's Eve with all of you, and I hope you all had a very, very happy Christmas. And let's pray. We're going to start with some prayer. Jesus, we just, uh, we thank you, God, that you're such a good father. You're so loving. You're so amazing. Jesus, we thank you for being with us in 2023 and that you continue to be steadfastly with us going into 2024. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence today just to speak to our hearts. And we just love you, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, So I've been praying for about a month or so about what did Jesus want to say to us going into 2024, Isla Vista Church community. And um, he showed me a picture. He showed me a picture of all these feathers blowing in the wind. And there's going to be a video coming up on the screen, I believe. There it is. There's a feather. And, you know, when feathers blow in the wind, um, oh, there's Forrest Gump, too. (laughs) There it goes. When they blow in the wind, they kind of just go sporadic. I'll let the video end. There it is. It's really quick. Um, feathers just blow and they, you know, don't have much stability to them and you never know where these feathers are going to land. And God showed me feathers blowing in the wind and he said, you know what, when feathers blow in the wind like that, it's a lot like our thoughts are sometimes, kind of sporadic. It's a lot like our emotions can be sometimes. It's a lot like our commitment levels are sometimes, kind of unstable. Sometimes our own will can also flitter, flutter around. Sometimes our decisions, our choices in life, and even our faith in God can be a lot like feathers that blow in the wind. And if we don't learn how to cultivate abundant steadfast in our abundant steadfastness in our lives, with Jesus, all of these areas of our life can flitter, flutter, flitter, flutter like feathers in the wind. And so God showed me that, and he gave me a scripture going into this year for us, First um, Peter 5.10. And it says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This is a promise from God. And today um, we are going to talk about abundant steadfastness that comes from the Lord and how to cultivate, cultivate abundant steadfastness in our lives. And, you know, I know that life can throw difficult circumstances at us at times. And It can be a little difficult, but this is the promise that God says. He's the one who makes us firm. He restores us. He makes us steadfast. And the Lord doesn't want our temporary suffering on earth to blow us around like feathers in the wind. He wants to be our anchor, Jesus does, because he redeems, he restores, and he rebuilds our lives, to be strong, to be firm, to be steadfast. When God gives me a word, sometimes I look up in the dictionary um, what it means. And so here's the dictionary definition on the screen. 
of steadfastness. And there's two synonyms, the word stable and the word resolution. And I love um, the definition of steadfastness because it means firmness. It can mean firmness in purpose, firmness in resolution, firmness in intention, and firmness in decision. It also can mean firmness in faith. And I love um, the word stable too, the synonym of steadfastness, because it also means firm, but it also means steady, well-balanced, of a sound mind, able to think and reason clearly, and honestly, to be sober. And resolution, we can see that it means a firm decision to do or not to do something, the quality of being determined or resolute. So I love the meaning of steadfastness, but the words that God gave me were two words. It was abundant steadfastness. And so when I was thinking about abundance, I was thinking, you know what? God has wholeness for us, wholeness and abundance of life for each and every one of us. And he wants us to to partner the wholeness and the abundance with our steadfastness. To be a, have abundance means to have more than enough. It means to never run out. So he doesn't want us to ever run out of steadfastness in our life. And there was a couple scriptures he also gave me, um, John 10, 10, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 14. And they're up on the screen. Um, John 10, 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. There it is. He wants to give us life more abundantly. See, the enemy does try to rob us, doesn't he? Like, he does come at times. But, again, Jesus brings the wholeness. He brings the freedom. He brings the abundance of life for each and every single one of us. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, Make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. This is the message version. God makes us holy. God makes us whole. And sometimes we may think that we need to settle for less than. Less than in our spiritual life, less than mentally, less than emotionally, but we don't. We don't need to settle because these are the truths that God says. We need to stand on the truths that John is saying and 1 Thessalonians is saying. We are meant to be holy. We are meant to be whole people living in freedom. And 1 Thessalonians, at the end of the verse there, it also says that God is fully dependable and what he, um, that he will do what he says. And so that means that God is steadfast. If he's calling us to have abundant steadfastness in our lives, he's not calling us to anything that he doesn't have. He is fully, fully steadfast. And so what is steadfast about God? Well, you know what? In the Bible, there's so many things that are said about the steadfastness of God. So I just picked four scriptures. And I'm going through scriptures pretty quick um, right now. And we're going to dig deeper into some other things. But I just feel like this is the truth. The Holy Spirit of truth wants to come today. And he wants to combat some lies for us. And he wants to stabilize some emotions today and some mindsets. And I really believe that. And so what is steadfast about the Lord? You can see in Psalm 136, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
for his steadfast love endures forever. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I love that, to a thousand generations. Malachi 3, 6, I, the Lord, do not change. He's steadfast. He doesn't change. And then it goes on to talk about the descendants of Jacob. I'm not going to go into that. But then Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's steadfast today, yesterday, today, and forever. And how is he steadfast? Just pulling out of these scriptures. Again, there's so many in the Bible. Just pulling out of these, he's steadfast in his covenant with us, his kids. He's steadfast in his forgiveness. That's part of his covenant. He's steadfast in his salvation for us. He's steadfast in his promise of eternal life. He's steadfast in his character. We see that he's steadfast in his love, his grace, his goodness, his mercy, and his faithfulness. And then in Job chapter 26, we can see the steadfast power of God. He is all powerful and he's so steadfast in that power. And I am going to read this because it's so beautiful out of the message. Um, talks about how he's created the earth and just how powerful he is. It says, God stretches the northern sky over empty space and he hangs the earth on nothing. I was thinking about us hanging our ornaments on our Christmas trees. And then I was seeing Jesus just take the earth and go dink in the middle of nothingness. He just goes dink. And it's kind of a cool picture. And he wraps the rain in his thick clouds and the clouds don't burst with the weight of the rain. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with his clouds. He created the horizon when he separated the waters. He set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble. They shudder at his rebuke. By his power, the sea grew calm. By his skill, he crushed the great sea monster. In his spirit made the heavens beautiful, and his power pierced the gliding serpent. These are just the beginning of all that he does, merely a whisper of his power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? He is so steadfast in his power. This is beautiful. It's just a mere whisper of his power. There's so much more to God's power, his steadfast power. He's also steadfast in his purpose and his will. And we're going to read um, out of Luke 22. And this is about Jesus. Jesus has incredible steadfastness in following the purpose of his father and the will of his father. And in Luke 22, it said, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him, and on reaching that place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, and he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knew he was about to go die on the cross, and he was just like, Father, if you're willing, take it away. Take the cup away from me. But... Not my will, your will be done, he says to his father. He submits and surrenders to the will of his father. And then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. 
When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He says it a second time. If there was ever a time that Jesus was going to step outside the will of his father, outside the purpose that God had for his life, this would have been the moment. He could have said, I'm out. I'm not going to go die on this cross. I'm not going to take on the sins of the whole entire world. He could have walked away in that moment and not aligned or transformed his will to the will of his father. But he didn't, right? He didn't. He actually did go to the cross. He did die. But what were his disciples doing? They were asleep. He had warned them. He said, please pray so you don't fall into temptation. And he goes to them, and they're sound asleep in one of the most important moments of their lives. They were asleep. And Jesus, deep in stress, sweating drops of blood, says, I will remain steadfast to do the will of my Father. I will remain steadfast to live in the purpose, to die in the purpose that God has for my life And his disciples were not being proactive. And so what happens? Instead of being proactive, they're reactive. They're not proactive in cultivating steadfastness in their life. They're reactive. And when Jesus dies on the cross, they go a little nutty. We see them get super sorrowful, super fearful. We see Peter, one of the disciples, run and deny Jesus three times, deny that he even knew Jesus because he was afraid. Then three days later, the promise Jesus gave them was he would return, he'd come back to life. But they forget this. They lock themselves in a room. And when Jesus comes back to life after three days, he finds them afraid, locked in a room, afraid of, for their lives. And Jesus had asked them just to be praying, to prep themselves, to be proactive, to cultivate some steadfastness in their faith so they wouldn't be shaken, so they wouldn't be shaken. So it shows us, it shows us that we need to be proactive, not just reactive. We need to be proactive in cultivating steadfastness in our lives. How? How does God want us to be abundantly steadfast in our lives. Well, the same as he is, the same as he is. He wants us to be abundantly steadfast in our covenant and faith in Jesus, number one. Number two, he wants us to have abundant steadfastness in our character, who we are and how we operate in our lives. He wants us to have abundant steadfastness in our purpose, the purpose he has for our lives. He wants us to have abundant steadfastness in his power in our lives, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit over our minds and our thoughts and also our emotions. And he also wants us to have abundant steadfastness in his will for our lives. So we're going to dig deep into first how he wants us to have abundant steadfastness in our faith. And we need to ask ourselves is our faith steadfast? Is it steadfast? And um, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to highlight a couple things here. It says that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. 
That's abundance, right? We don't want to lack anything. We want to have abundant faith. And then we skip down to verse 6, and it says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Sounds kind of like feathers flying in the wind, doesn't it? Unsteadiness, unstable. Because when we ask, we must not doubt. And it says in verse 7, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Unstable is the opposite. It's the antonym of steadfastness. We don't want to be that person, right? This is harsh. (laughs) We don't want to be that person. Life is not easy. It's not easy. And our faith is tested. This is telling us our faith will be tested. And many circumstances can rock all of our faith, right? And circumstances, difficult times can increase doubts within our hearts and minds. But this testing of our faith, it can also cultivate steadfastness in our faith. It can be an opportunity, these tests that we face, these difficult circumstances to actually bring steadfastness, abundant steadfastness to our faith. And then in 1 Peter, it says, and I just want to highlight just this one little sentence. It says, the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold. God thinks our faith is more precious than gold. How do we value our faith? How do we value our faith? And I just was thinking three questions, and they're going to pop up on the screen too, that we need to ask ourselves about our faith. Is our faith genuine? Just like it says in this verse in 1 Peter, is our faith genuine? Or is it conditional on whether we're happy with God or not? Number two, do we let difficult circumstances, do we let disappointments, do we let the people in our lives cause us to be wishy-washy about our faith? And then the third question is, are we loyal to Jesus? Are we loyal to him? Are we like Peter, going to run and deny him when things get a little bit heated in our lives? See, out of these refining seasons that these scriptures are talking about, the testing of our faith happens, and usually there's two results in our lives. The first result does cultivate steadfastness within our faith because we draw near to Jesus when things get rough. And the Bible has a promise when we draw near to Jesus, he draws near to us. It says this in James 4, 8. It's up there on the screen. And so these refining seasons of our life, these hard seasons, um, can draw us so near to Jesus, and he just goes, boom, I'm with you. I'm with you in it. I'm right by your side. I'm holding your heart. I've got you covered. You fall under the shadow of my mighty wings. But then there are times when these very difficult seasons of our life get us a little angry with God, and we pull ourselves out. We choose to pull ourselves out from the covering of the Almighty, from his Almighty wings over us. And sadly, when we get angry, we give up on the faith that we have in Jesus, not letting him bring redemption or restoration or steadfastness into our lives. We choose to block his healing presence from our lives. And the thoughts in our heads and our emotions and our hearts start leading the way 
in our lives instead of the Holy Spirit of truth. And emotions and thoughts without steadfast faith in our lives, those thoughts and emotions, they blow like weather, feathers, not weathers, feathers in the wind without an anchor because the anchor is Jesus. And steadfastness in our faith, honestly, is a consistent choice in our lives. No one forces us to cultivate steadfastness in our faith, to believe in Jesus, to trust Jesus. We get to choose if we want to or not. But it's so important that we cultivate this abundant steadfastness in our faith because it also trickles into how our character is in our life and how we operate in life and how we cultivate steadfastness in this character of who we are as humans and how we cultivate steadfastness in his purpose for our lives. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is the call right here. Be steadfast, be immovable. I don't know if you've ever had anyone walk up to you and, you know, you're just kind of not paying attention and they bump into you and you kind of like lose your step. And the Lord is just like, be so immovable. Don't be moved. Don't be shaken. I want to hold you there in steadfastness. I want to hold you in steadfastness in how you operate in life, who you are in him, which is a son or a daughter. That is our identity. I want to hold you in steadfastness in the purpose I have for your life because the purpose that God has for our life is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is for everyone. He has a hope and a future for everyone. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. And this verse in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how there's this good work of the Lord, how we need to be steadfast. We need to be immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. What is this good work? What's the good work of the Lord? It's what he says, Jesus says in Matthew, it's his two greatest commandments, and maybe you've heard them. Jesus says, love him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, and love others as we love ourselves. Love, love is the forerunner. It's the forerunner to our divine assignments on earth. And our purpose is so connected to how we love people. And in order to establish steadfastness in our lives and not give up on the purpose that God has for our lives, we must keep loving God and we must keep loving people. And how we love people is so connected to our character. And that's why this is so important that we're cultivating abundant steadfastness in not only the purpose he has for our life, but our character first. We all need a measure of grace, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, and perseverance in our lives to keep loving people. And our Father in heaven gives each of us an opportunity to learn how to love like he does. 
to connect us to his heart for people, people groups across the whole entire globe. He builds, Jesus builds our character through refining seasons of our life if we let him. And that's the key. If we let him, he will work on our character. He will connect us to the purpose he has for our lives, which is to love him and love people. And I just wanted to, I know some of you know me pretty well, and some of you I don't know at all. Um, And so there's a lot of times that people get up and they just start speaking and saying all this stuff. And I just think that it's so important for, you know, us when we get up here, you know, I'm in the older older generation, not super old, but I'm up there in my 50s. And um, I think it's so important for people to get real and honest and vulnerable. And so I wanted to share part of my journey of my life with you and um, how God has been cultivating steadfastness in my life, in my faith first, and then in my character, and linking me to steadfastness and the purpose that he has for my life. And when I was young, um, about 19 years old, my dad um, got diagnosed with paranoia schizophrenia. That's a mental illness. Um, a couple years into that diagnosis, my mom herself had her own breakdown, and she left my dad. Um, married a drug dealer, actually. And I was raised, truthfully, in a very strict, conservative, legalistic Christian home. My world was turned upside down. And honestly, my faith was like a feather floating away in the wind. My faith was so unstable because it was linked to my parents' faith, not my faith in Jesus. And... um, in the process of all this going down with my family, um, I obviously ran hard and fast away from my faith and started dating a guy, super unhealthy relationship. This guy became my anchor in my early 20s, not Jesus, this guy. He became my steadfastness, not Jesus. And eventually he cheated on me, I broke up with him. And I know some of you may have heard my Honda Civic story, but you're going to hear a snippet of it again, because this is the most pivotal point of my life where Jesus showed up and completely changed the trajectory of my life and started to cultivate steadfastness in my faith. I was suicidal. I had such hopelessness in my life. And I'm driving in my Honda Civic, 1987 blue Honda Civic hatchback, driving down Canoga Avenue in San Fernando Valley. And I'm crying out to God. And I just say, and I'll never forget the words. I said, Jesus, I don't want to miss out on anything you have for me. If you're real, I don't want to miss out on anything you have for me. And all of the sudden, no joke, it was like a bucket of water. It was the Holy Spirit's presence just poured out on me, tangibly feeling like a bucket of water, just pouring out in my Honda Civic, the presence of God. I could feel his healing. I could feel his loving presence coming and saturating my mind and my heart. And he was there with me. I felt the peace of God overwhelm me. And the Bible does, I'm not going to get into speaking in tongues, but it talks about in the Bible how we get a spiritual language. We can speak in tongues. And all of a sudden, I just, I had no idea what was going on. I grew up in conservative Christianity. But all of a sudden, this language just started flowing out of me. And I just start speaking this spiritual language. And the presence of God for over an hour, I don't know how I drove my Honda Civic. I just drove it around San Fernando Valley. And I could just feel the presence of God just 
pouring in and pouring out, pouring in and pouring out. And that night, February 12th, 1994, he changed the trajectory of my life. And I'm here 30 years later, and I've never turned back, never turned away from Jesus again. And that night, he showed me that I was called to go share hope with people, the hope of Jesus and his love, because I never wanted anyone to be as hopeless as I was in that season of my life. I had felt so down, so abandoned, so depressed, not wanting to live anymore, and I never wanted anyone to ever feel that way. I wanted them to know that God was real, because in that moment, Jesus showed up, the Holy Spirit showed up, and proved himself to me, a 23-year-old young woman in a Honda Civic, he paid attention to that he didn't have to, but he did because of his mercy. He did because of his grace. He showed up in my Honda Civic, and he saved my life, literally. And now, when I look back 30 years later, I can see my 20s was a time where my faith was being tested by fire. (laughs) And perseverance, just like it said in that scripture before in James, perseverance was being cultivated in my life. It needed to finish its work so that I could mature in my faith, lacking nothing, so that I could start to gain some abundant steadfastness in my faith and what I believe. God does not want lack in our lives. He is about bringing the wholeness into our lives, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, wholeness and freedom. I had to learn how to survive the shaking, because there are shaking seasons in every single one of our lives. Life is not all rainbows, and it's not all butterflies, right? I wish it was. Um, I had to learn how to move through disappointments, the emotional pain in my heart, and how to abolish lies, and how to abolish doubts from the enemy in my life. And a year or so went by, I got married to an awesome guy named Peter, and he's back there. Um, Some of you know him. And then God gave us a few years into our marriage, a scripture out of Isaiah 58. Um, I'm just going to read one sentence. It says, you shall raise the foundations of many generations. And I knew that was a word from the Lord telling us that we would partner with Jesus to come into young people's lives so that the foundations in their life would be healed by the Lord. The cracks from tough circumstances in young people's lives would be healed by the Holy Spirit of God if we partnered with him, if we stepped into the purpose he had for our lives. And shortly after I got that word, um, we enter a huge testing season in our life. In my early 30s, um, an attack on my character, attack on the steadfastness and the purpose that God had for my life. Um, I didn't realize that I didn't have steadfastness in my character of love and mercy and grace. I didn't realize that I needed some work in that area of my life. Um, there was an abundance of steadfastness that God wanted me to have in my character in loving people. And he wanted me to be so steadfast in the purpose that he had for my life. And I had two little kids at the time, um, a daughter and a son, a four-year-old and a six-year-old who are now 25 and 27. Daughter's in the room. (laughs) Sierra. Um, And we were ministering to youth at the time in my early 30s. And one of those uh, young people was going through some big trauma in their life. 
um, their mom had passed away. And so my husband and I came and just came alongside this person. And um, we were working with a bunch of youth at the time. And this specific person ends up hurting one of my kids in a pretty bad way. And I'm not going to go into all those details, um, but it was devastating to my heart as a young mom and a person who had such a heart for the young generation. And um, it, was, it was pretty gnarly. I mean, police were involved. Um, the pastors of our church at the time were amazing and came alongside our family in such a beautiful way. But my heart as a young mom was wrecked. And to be honest, I just saw all these walls like go up around my heart towards young people. And I just told God, I said, I'm not going back. I'm not going to do youth ministry anymore. And it took a few months. Um, Jesus is so good. He loves us. He's so gentle with us. Um, So kind, so healing. And he just kept beckoning me, Rachel, go back to youth group. No, I'm not going. Rachel, go back to youth group. Nope, not going. Three months in, I, I did. I went back on a Wednesday night, stood in the middle of our youth group room. There's about 200 kids in this youth group running around, skate ramp, rock wall, really cool place. I stood there, and I said, I'm here. I'll obey you, God. I, I will. I will obey you, but I will say nothing. I will just stand in this room and say nothing. And I'll never forget that moment um, in my early 30s where God just showed up again. And I'm standing in the middle of this youth group room, and it's almost like swirling around me. Kids' faces, precious faces of junior high and high school kids. I'm just seeing, all of a sudden, I'm seeing traumas in their lives. I'm seeing where God wants to come and bring freedom all around And my heart just starts breaking for the young generation in a way that it had never broken before. See, in my Honda Civic, I was linked to the Lord and wanting to have a fire in my heart and feeling a fire burn for people with hopelessness. But my heart hadn't fully broken for the young generation yet. And I wasn't sure I wanted to pay the price. I wasn't sure I wanted to be steadfast in the purpose that he had for my life. I wasn't sure I wanted to keep loving people that could hurt me or my family. And God, that moment shows up in that youth room. And he just starts showing me how he wants to bring freedom to a young generation. And this is back in the early 2000s, around 2003. And here we are. 2023 is about to end. And I will tell you, um, that season of my life and that moment was such a surrender moment for me. Such a surrender moment um, where I had to say, okay, okay, Jesus, I surrender my will to yours. I surrender my will to yours. And as I was learning to cultivate this steadfastness in my character and the purpose that God had for my life, honestly, because I said yes, he linked me to the dream he had for me and awakened a dream that I had had for over 20 years. Because three years later, I got to run a nonprofit youth camp and got to spend a decade doing that. And I got to watch 10 years of redemption come and redeem every painful circumstance in my life up to that point at this youth camp as thousands of kids came through to experience the love and healing presence of the Lord. And no, God wasn't done yet with me. 
I saw this redemption, but he also wanted me to learn how to combat the lies. He wanted me to get so, so abundantly steadfast in my faith, in my character, in the purpose that he had for my life, that he gave me even more practice while I ran this camp. And he said, I want you to have steadfastness over your mind and your thoughts and over your emotions. And that's the third thing he wants to do in all of our lives as far as cultivating abundant steadfastness. He wants us to understand his power, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can take, allow him to take captive the thoughts in our head. Because you see, unstable thoughts, unstable emotions, anxiety and fear are some of those emotions, right? They should never lead our lives. They should never lead our decision-making. These unstable thoughts, these unstable emotions, they need to be stable. We need them to be steadfast. And in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I work with young people today still, and some of you I get to mentor. You're awesome. And I see the enemy having a heyday with people's thoughts all the time. I am seeing anxiety overwhelm this young generation. And I was looking up just some articles on Gen Z and millennials, and they are labeling Gen Z and millennials as the anxious generations. Anxious generations. That's a lie. That's a lie of the enemy because God says, no, you are sons and daughters of the Most High King Jesus. I hear young people call out and say, my anxiety, my fear, and they take on the labels for themselves individually. That is not God's heart for any of us. He says we are his sons or we are his daughters. That's it. Sons and daughters, not anxious, not fearful. Do we deal with fear? Absolutely. Every human does. But God says he has steadfastness for us. The enemy loves to plant lies in our minds. He loves to mess with us in how we see ourselves and how we think others see us. He loves us to focus in on our insecurities. He loves to mess with how we see our futures. He loves to diminish hope. He loves to get us fearful about what's coming next in our future. But God has tools he has steadfastness for us. He has truth to combat every single lie of the enemy. And this is one, Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace. I hear people say, I feel peace. I hear that word all the time. No, no. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not an emotion. Peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. We need to link our hearts and our minds to Jesus, the solid peace. He is peace. And our thoughts, our thoughts get so connected to our emotions, but God wants abundant steadfastness in both our minds and our emotions. I see people all the time say, well, I have a feeling I'm going to go move to this place. I have an emotion. I'm going to do this because I'm sad. I'm going to do this because I'm angry. But God says, no, no, I want to bring steadfastness to those emotions. Don't make decisions based on your emotions and your feelings right now. Make your decisions based on my will, 
based on my will for your life, my perfect will for your life. And in Psalm 55 and Psalm 62, there's some truths to stabilize our emotions. It says in Psalm 55, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm 62 says, my victory and honor come from God alone. He's my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. My salvation and glory depend on my God. My rock, my refuge is in God. Ultimately, to bring steadfastness to our minds and to our emotions, truthfully, these scriptures are telling us the key is to jump into the presence of God because he's our refuge where no enemy can mess with us. No enemy can reach us, it says in Psalm 62. They can't, that enemy cannot mess with our minds or our emotions when we are with Jesus, when we are in the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you, as I ran that camp for 10 years, if you think that I had arrived after that moment in the youth room, no, I actually jumped into probably one of the hardest seasons of my life for 10 years. It was like a boot camp where God was like, oh, let's take you through more refining fire. Let's, let's actually develop your character even more. Let's actually show you how to really love now, Rachel. I worked with young adults that were on staff at the camp with me. I had people still from the camp. I had people having sex. I had people that were, you know, doing drugs that wanted to be part of ministry. And I was like, what? This was my happy place. This was my dream. And God just said, let's cultivate some more steadfastness in your faith and in your purpose. And he said, will you keep loving? Will you keep connecting to my heart? And he said, will you utilize every tool I have for you in my word? Will you come into my presence? He showed me during that decade of my life the key to having stability in my mindset And in my emotions was his presence. And I spent 10 years running through this wilderness of Mammoth Lakes, California, just linking to God. Honestly, there was times I'm like, get me out of the camp into the wilderness because I need God right now. I need him to come bring some stableness to my thoughts, to speak some truth to me, to combat the lies of the enemy. You see, the Holy Spirit of truth, our Prince of Peace, he wants to abolish lies. He wants to abolish the anxiety in our lives. And I believe that Jesus is so, so ready to heal anxiety, especially right now in the young generation. He longs to bring stability to our thoughts and our minds. And this leads into the last thing that I want to share as far as where God wants to cultivate abundant steadfastness is in his will for our lives. In Romans 12, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That was Jesus speaking. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Whoa. The Lord is wanting to transform our will to align with his perfect will for our lives. And if we want to be steadfast in the other three areas that we talked about, in our faith, if we want abundant steadfastness 
in our character and the purpose that God has for our lives, if we want abundant steadfastness in his power over our minds and our emotions, then we truly, truly need to surrender to the will of our heavenly father, the perfect will that he has for our lives, just like Jesus did in the garden. Remember the garden where he said, not my will, but yours will be, your will be done, my father. You know, when Jesus did that, it may have looked like he just gave himself a death sentence. And we know he died, right? He died on the cross. But do you know that it linked him to freedom and victory? When he submitted to the will of his Father in heaven, it linked him to freedom and victory. He actually, ultimately, he rose from the dead, and then he linked us to freedom and victory because he, he submitted to the will of his Father. But when we, as people, fight God's will for our lives, we actually allow chaos, confusion, and instability into our lives because we don't connect with the steadfast will of God then. When we don't allow his will to come and lead us, And I really believe that God is asking us, will you live in his will for your life? Or will you continue to do it your own way? To follow your own will? And I just believe like today, um, I was going to say tonight, it's almost tonight, it's getting dark out there. Um, There's some of you, I believe in this room, that this is a moment where God is saying, this is a turning point for you. Is it your will or is it his? And, you know, when I get to share, especially with the young generation now, and um, I don't share this all the time, but I've gotten to share all over the globe in all different countries. And um, there was a point where I was just like, Lord, I'm like, I don't want to share if you're not in it. And today coming here, I was like, we're going into this new year. And Jesus, I don't want to share if you're not in it. And And what I ask God now all the time is, I said, if this is my last day on earth, which I don't believe it is, but if this is my last day on earth, what would you want me to say to the next generation? What would you want me to say, God? And I really believe that the Lord is saying to IVC community, it's time to begin to be proactive, not reactive. He doesn't want us to be like the disciples who are running scared, He wants us to cultivate abundant steadfastness in our lives. He wants us to be proactive in cultivating abundant steadfastness in our faith and in his purpose for our lives and our character. He wants us to cultivate an abundance of steadfastness in our lives so that we're ready We're ready when things get a little shaky, and we can say that we're solid. And I have some things on the screen. I think there's going to be a few things that pop up there. Um, Just from me, from the older generation, from things that I've gone through in my life, these are the things that God has shown me in cultivating abundant steadfastness that I have learned to do regularly in my life. And consistently to be proactive. Um, Number one, an awareness of and time in the presence of the Holy Spirit every day. I already talked about that. Consistent worship, 
Read God's word daily because that's where you're going to get the truth to combat the lies. Prayer and intercession and getting specific in prayer and intercession. Ask the Holy Spirit for an abundance in your steadfastness. Ask him for it. We can't do this on our own. He has the steadfastness for us. Remember in that scripture? I think it was in 1 Peter. Ask the Lord for wholeness. Ask him for freedom. Link us to your victory, God, in our hearts, in our mindsets, and in our faith. Because he has that victory. Take a stand and declare God's truth over your life to combat the lies. Number six, be awake and alert to the will of God in your lives. Ask him, is it your will? Before you make a choice, before you make a decision, don't be like a feather in the wind. Ask him, is this your will for my life? Should I move here? Should I take this job? Should I date this person? Um, Utilize the weapons in the warfare in the Bible. One of the biggest weapons I use every single day and I know they hear me at Jesus Burger say this to them all the time. Armor of God. I ask them, I go, did you put your armor on today? Ephesians 6, put the armor of God on. It's a tool. It's a weapon in the warfare. He wants to come and give us all we need, an abundance of what we need to face the warfare in our lives. And then um, number eight, make a consistent choice to follow Jesus. Surrender your will to his will for your life, no matter what the cost. There's a cost. But do it. It's worth it, I promise. And then last, look for steadfastness in the generations that came before you and learn how they cultivated steadfastness in their lives. Put people in your life from the older generation. Let them speak into your life. You don't have to go through this life by yourself. You have Jesus, but you also have people that care, that have been through stuff, who have made mistakes like me. I've made lots of mistakes and I've learned from them. So start cultivating abundant steadfastness in your life, the kind that never ends or goes away in your faith, your character, God's purpose for your life, his power and his will for your life. And just start. Start with your faith. There's some of you in this room that aren't even sure you believe in Jesus right now. And I just really, I would like it if everyone closed their eyes for a moment. I just, you know, in working with young people for about 25 years now, I see people operate out of a lot of insecurity and, like I said, a lot of anxiety. And I um, see a lot of people get so angry at God, and it breaks my heart because I know what that feels like because I've been there too, right? But I just know that today, going into 2024, that the Holy Spirit of God doesn't want anyone to leave this room without knowing his steadfast love and his steadfast hope. He wants to come and meet you in it. All the stuff in your brain, in your hearts. He wants to show up for you if you'll let him. And so if you've never asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, now is a great, great time. All you have to say is, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Be the Lord of my life. If you just did that, will you just raise your hand? Everyone else keep their eyes closed. If you just did that. 
Jesus says, hallelujah. He welcomes you into his kingdom. You are his daughter. He loves you so much. Thank you, God. I also believe today that God wants to break off some anxiety and fear. I have been feeling it all month as I prayed. I just felt the Lord say he wants to heal anxiety and fear. He wants to bring freedom and victory to your thoughts and your emotions. There's some moms in the room, too. And I just felt earlier today when I was praying that God said he wants to stabilize your thoughts and emotions concerning fear about your kids. You don't need to lead parenting in fear anymore. So I'm going to pray, and then um, I know there's some IBC shepherds, obviously Pastor Jason. We're just going to come up. um, And if you need prayer, come get it, because I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to come and start to cultivate more steadfastness in your hearts and minds your souls, your spirits today. He wants to heal anxiety today. I know it. No more panic attacks. No more panic attacks. So Jesus, mighty God, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are a steadfast God. You're a steadfast Father. You're a good, steadfast Father. We can count on you. Thank you, God, that you love us no matter what. That you never leave us, you never forsake us. That's a promise in his word. Thank you that you have hope for each and every one of our futures. Thank you, God, that you want to make us steadfast. You want to restore, you want to renew, you want to rebuild the painful circumstances of our lives. You want to come in and you want to just wipe away the past and take us into the future. We have 2024 happening tomorrow, God, and Holy Spirit, we know you want to come with us. And Jesus, I just ask that we would invite you, each and every one of us, into this new year because you have a beautiful plan. You have great purpose for each of our lives. And we're so grateful, God, that you're in it with us. The day in, the day out, whatever we face, we can turn to our steadfast God who wants to cultivate steadfastness in us. God, you want to guard our minds. You want to take captive every single thought, Holy Spirit. And we are so grateful that you want to bring stability to our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come into 2024 with us, starting right now. As we end 2023, we want to leave that anxiety, that fear behind us. We want to leave the lies behind us, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of truth, for coming right now, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us. Emmanuel, God, you're with us. You're so sovereign, King Jesus. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.